I'm Lee Henson Hasty. I'm the Senior Director of Theological Education, Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation, which is a ministry of the Committee on Theological Education. My life is a little complicated, but it's really not. It's very simple. It's about supporting future ministers like Landon, who was ordained, I can't even believe this, 15 years ago. Yeah. What? I know. You're like an adolescent minister. <laughs> it was weird. You know, I sit in Presbyterian meetings, you know, they recognize people. And then all of a sudden last year, they're like, Landon, 15. I'm like, what? I've never done anything other than be married to my wife for 15 years. <laughs> well, you've got children, you know, graduate from college and stuff. Four That's children. True. He's yep. a parent. Jerry Lynn, his wife, is a gift from God in so many ways. Um, we're we're going to tag a little bio in the feed, but no, besides being a minister and a graduate of Sterling College and Louisville Seminary, Landon has authored three or four books, depending on how you count them. He has contributed to others. He is a creator. We're really, this is called vivid digital communication, but there's nothing really comprehensive <laughs> that we could say about uh, today. I think g Landon embraces the image of God in him that is a creator and creative and right brain. And he creates, he takes pictures, he writes songs, he sings, he um, is a git guitarist. I mean, there's, there, we could go on for a long time. He, um, he creates digital websites where um, when the baseball season isn't happening, the baseball season is happening. I gave up that way. Too, gave up on that way too quickly. That was too much fun. <laughs> and he's written a novel, uh, by the way, um, "The Gringos Game." That's the most recent, 2019, um, and uh, which is, I think, a I haven't read it yet. I got to read that. <clears throat> I knew it was coming this month, but uh, that's worth worth a read. Open Source Church. Um, <clears throat> he's been a member of the Committee on Theological Education. Uh, a mid-council leader, was a synod a leader for Mid-America, um, mid um, numerous General Assembly, other uh, agency and committee leadership, Presbyterian Mission Agency Board, some mid-council uh, General Assembly Board. It's, it's the list is too long. <clears throat> the man gives his life away. And um, thank you for giving uh, these 30 minutes to me. Oh. He is now, we should say, Yes, head of staff, Westminster Presbyterian Church in Oklahoma City. He's come back to the parish where it all happens. He's just finished recording some worship. He's got on his theological education bow tie, which just makes me so happy. Um, and that smile is real. And I'd love to hear um, what is giving you joy. What is making you come alive? Because Howard Thurman, it's Black History Month. Um, Howard Thurman used to say, what we need is people who are coming alive. Yep. Um, and I wonder what it is that's making you come alive. Mm. I mean, it's, it, it's an easy answer because I've only been a pastor here at Westminster for just a, just a tad over two months. And I am having the time of my life. Um, I was chatting with a mutual friend of ours. And he's like, do you love it? I was like, I think I was born for this. This is so much fun. It's yeah. hard work. I mean, you all know. Right. I'm not saying anything people don't right. know. Being a pastor of, of a congregation is hard, but um, the, the way I said it early on was I'm drinking from a fire hose, but I love the taste of the water. So Beautiful. I'm a good time. Beautiful. Yeah. And there's a, on their website, y'all, when he was being called, which is just recently, the last few months, there's a beautiful, you have a call story, 
and you talk about saying yes. And so thank you for saying yes to Westminster. Um, I'll just join because we need pastors like you. I previously served as pastor of First Presbyterian uh, Liberty, Missouri, too, by the way. Uh, this isn't your first rodeo, but thanks uh, for what you're doing. Um, so, um, and you're continuing to create that has that yeah and and now it's in some new ways and we're going to look forward to hearing about what that all looks like i um i love one of your books actually was about theology as art and in it you say theology is best best understood as humanity's um creation of a symbolic of human feeling which result from an encounter with god so yeah. this kind of creative work for you is not it is centered in God, it seems to me, and results from uh, God's initiative. I, how would you how would you put it? What, what, what does the creative work? Why is that important in your ministry? Because I, I don't I don't understand our work without it being a creative act. I mean, it's all a creative act, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we we serve a creator. Um, mm -hmm. We have been invited into that work. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the creation of things, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan and admirer of people who understand themselves as preservationists. I think there's mm. something powerful about preserving. Um, and, you know, you and I have talked about my love of particularly the Presbyterian Historical Society and the work that they do and the way that they help us understand where we have come from. But I think that we sell ourselves short if we don't understand that all the things that we, were that we are preserving were once created. Um, mm. There is, there is just a thing about creation. I don't, I don't see how we can have any, that, that is the religious impulse. So the, the quote that you read was me mashing together two thinkers that I just love. One is Friedrich Schleiermacher, say that three times, uh, Friedrich Schleiermacher. Um, and the other, you know, the, um, and the other is uh, Suzanne Langer, who is, a, who is a theorist of art, a philosopher of art. And she said that art is the creation of form symbolic of human feeling. And so I smashed it together, symbolic of human feeling of ultimate dependence on God. So when we create and worship, um, when those of us who get to preach, when we preach, those of us who write hymns or other songs, poetry, anytime we're expressing about God and we're bringing some, some uh, potentiality into the world, we're creating um, and that's, that, is a, that is a powerful thing. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago talking with, um, talking with uh, Ian, uh, former president of Princeton Theological Seminary. Yes. Uh, Ian Torrance, right. He and I share a love of the book, The Shack. We <laughs> love The Shack. I saw him at an, at an AAR in the front row. To oh, yeah. yeah. He showed me pictures from that. Like, he was so giddy to show me pictures and and he and I, you know, I mean, he's a brilliant theologian in his own right. right, right? I mean, one of the giants. And for him, he and I talked about it. You know, it was it was this this expression of a feeling about God, an experience about God. I can't remember the the author of the shack, but we were both affirming. It was like reading the Psalms. Here was someone who had this right. deep, powerful experience and wanted to create something to share into the world. So that's really what it is. It's it's an evangelistic impulse. I think what creativity is. Oh, I love that. An evangelistic impulse. We need a little evangelism going in the Presbyterian church. <laughs> and that's, that's really helpful. Ian, for those who may not remember, was the president of um, 
uh, Princeton Theological Seminary. He, I think, continues now back in Scotland. He's former moderator of the Scottish Presbyterian Church as chaplain to the Queen. I know. Woo! So he's not a slouch, and he loves I the shack. It and, makes it so good. And the shack. I mean, there's you have the Trinity. You have something, and it's engaging a larger public. And I feel like that's something that you're able to do. And you know, uh, uh, Landon was part of launching the God Complex podcast. For some of you uh, who remember that, um, he has he has cut a couple. How many albums have you cut? Three, three albums. I mean. This is it's engaging an audience in I think the novel. I mean, that's like that's like your take on the show. I mean, it's it's an opportunity to engage a larger public, um, informed by your own theological formation. And and that is good news evangelist that is good news. That's the way the good news gets out there, I guess. Is yeah. that what you say? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, specifically with the novel, what I wanted to do was I just wanted to tell true stories and not use religious language, but I wanted to tell true stories. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so, yeah. I, I just want people's lives to be better. That's really all I care about. And so whatever form I've got to use that in, then that's, that's what I want to do. Right. Um, I should have mentioned also Theo Academy, um, beautiful set of kind of open source, kind of to give a tip of a hat to your book, you know, uh, theological um, resources still uh, maintained by the sentiment of America. Um, and we completed a whole series with your lovely bride and our hero, Elizabeth Hinson Hasty. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in that fan club. You right. know, glad to, glad to have you here. <laughs> Everybody's in the Elizabeth fan club. Let's be well, well, she's in yours. She says hello. Um, you know, I think particularly now in the last almost year, wow, I mean, we've realized you know, your YouTube and your Facebook live and your worship, people are reaching, I hear people reaching international audiences and audiences within blocks that have never, would never dare to dawn a church's door. Exactly. So what are some things for people who are engaging? And this is newer kind of, I would say preachers, a lot of preachers I know and a lot of church leaders I know have these gifts and are super creative but they get nervous about maybe engaging a larger, you know, community. When they see, see, you know, a young pastor on TikTok, they're like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it can be, you know, I mean, what, what kind of guidance would you say? I mean, what is it this nurtures that creativity for you or get, helps you sort of step on stage, you know, um, uh, in a way. I know, I know that you love your eye time, so you've got to be able to, <laughs> to have, you know, some we time. What is, yeah. what nurtures all that? Um, so like when, when I talk to pastors and, and I've, you know, had the privilege, at least for the last decade of talking to a lot of pastors as the executive of the Senate of Mid-America, I got to talk to a lot of them. And particularly this last year, once pandemic hit and people were really uh, bemoaning um, the fact that they weren't able to do ministry the way that they always had. Some people were a little excited about it, but a whole lot of people were scared to death. They just were. Mm -hmm. um, what I tried to tell them was, listen, there's, there's a basic level of technical stuff you got to clear, right? You got to have sound that doesn't sound horrible. Right. You have, to have somewhat clear picture. Once you get past that, people really don't care. They really right. don't. 
what they what they respond to is they respond to authenticity. So Amen. digital media, digital ministry, digital media, it's just another form of ministry. It's just another form of media. And they all play by the same rules. Mm-hmm. If you are standing in a pulpit in front of a live room of people and you are not speaking, preaching, uh, to, to, to borrow from Anna Carter Florence, if you're not testifying mm. you know, authentically, then you're not, you have no business being there. I, I mean, I think about her all the time. It's not actually about the digital stuff. That, those are just mm-hmm. bits and bobs. We can do that. Right. It, it's when your face is on that screen, as Anna said, you got to go into the text. You've got to wrestle true, truly with what you have found there and come out and authentically talk about it. That's, that's the best preaching advice I think I've ever heard. Yeah. So just be authentic. And so I, I mean, I see, I see folk in their studies. You know, I've got a, I've got a friend. Um, she's out in Western Kansas. She's just in her study and she just turns on the Facebook live and just talks. <laughs> and it's brilliant because she's authentic. And she, I mean, she knows what she's talking about, but she's brilliant. I've got another friend who same in, in Kansas city. Um, well, I mean, you know, I'm a friend of ours, Chad Herring. You know, he's just right. in his home office, speaking straight to a webcam, leading a live service every week. But the man's authentic, as I'll get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I can name, you and I can both name countless of our colleagues. Right. Faithful women and men who are doing this, just giving of themselves and being authentic. And that's, I think, what people want. Amen. You know, I see you do it. Um not just on the screen, but also through social media posts. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> there's something there that's, uh, there's an authenticity there and a kind of um, your personality comes through. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, maybe there's a little risk involved. I don't know. I love you pointing to, to Anna Carter Florence. If people don't know who's at Columbia Seminary, um, professor of homiletics there, um, uh, seeing a lot of the Academy and Festival of Homiletics. Um, uh, I think she preached actually this last time around. Um, you know what is what is happening though in more in social media spaces that you would you would, would you would point to? Um, is it the same kind of counsel? Same kind of thing. And in fact, that this is and, and I'm glad that you you use the words. You know, it's a little bit of a risk because I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. One of the things actually that digital media is revealing to us is that we are called to show, and I'm, ta- I'm speaking about those of us who are in church leadership, particularly or ordained leadership, pastoral leadership, we're being called to show more of ourselves to our people than we have otherwise done. And it does carry a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lead morning prayers every morning. Um, and those folks, they, they have come to know the goofiness and silliness of who I am. Um, and, th- and I, and I talk freely about the scriptures that we're reading yesterday. We read the, the, the lesson about the Syrophoenician woman where Jesus calls her a dog. And I was sharing with her, I was sharing with them the lessons that I learned from a friend of ours, former co-moderator of the general assembly, Denise Anderson, that we did with Theo Academy from the series, love another. Let me just get a few more plugs in there. Right? <laughs> Please. I mean, people are looking for resources. They may not know. <laughs> um, but we talked about the fact that the term dog was a racial ethnic slur mm. and, and a member of our congregation was upset by that and, and wrote me and was not, uh, uh, you know, we, we had, we, you know, was discomforted, I should say, was not upset, was discomforted by that. And, and in, in years past, maybe some of us would not have said something like that because we would have been scared to wade into those waters. But when you're talking with people every day and when you're sharing what it is that you see, I think, I think one of the things about digital communication and digital media and digital ministry right now is that if you're, it goes back to the authenticity, 
vulnerability, transparency are paired with that authenticity. If you're not real about who you are mm-hmm. and what you're seeing, and even some of the some of the discomforting things in the text. I mean, that's one of the things that I shared with the folks. Like, I'm I'm uncomfortable with this. I hate the fact that Jesus said that. Right. But it's there. And so they got to hear their pastor say, I hate this part of the text. Hate it. Right. And yeah. in hopes that that would allow them to express their discomfort, to express their frustration with some of the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. It, all in all in all in a bid to live a more authentic life. Um you made me think when you're talking about scripture, um, and I know scripture means a lot to you, uh, is that um, this is sort of a sort of not so different from, you know, the whole Karl Barth, you know, a newspaper in one hand and Bible in the other. But now, you know, um, my newspaper's on my phone, <laughs> you know, or, or my news is from other places. And I'm engaging more voices now. You know, I can engage uh, I don't have to wait for the op-ed to come out, you know, from my pastor on Saturday, maybe in, in the small town, right? I can see uh, that commentary live almost. I mean, it, there's a, there it almost needs to be a rhythm there that you're continuing to sh- show up. I think that's something you're really good at. It's not too much, I feel like, and everybody's different, right? But it's not too little. Um, um, and I think, I think that's helpful. Something I also really appreciate you, and I think it maybe helps with social media, but other is an eye. You know, I mean, I, I have to tell you that I took the advice. I've got the mirrorless camera now. I love it. Love it so much. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> um, you know, there's what is it kind of looking through, you know, the viewfinder, you know, <laughs> that you're looking for? Um, when you're looking, not just looking, not just the webcam looking at you, but when you're looking out, I am looking for things that are, um, this sounds a little weird maybe, but I'm looking for things that are mundane. Um, Mm -hmm. because, oh, well here, I'm going to spin out. Um, we just, you know, we just went through Advent. We just went through Christmas. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the incarnated incarnation. Uh, today in morning prayer, we read the story of, Jesus taking the man out, the man who was born blind, and he puts saliva on his mouth and, and put it. Right. And I, I said, it just shows us that Jesus cares about this sack of skin, right? This mm. this, this mundane stuff that we do, this this grittiness. I mean, I think there's beauty in in the world, and I'm just trying to figure out how to look at it in a way that reveals its beauty. Um, I watch a lot of photographers on YouTube, and that's one of the things that they say is. We're just looking for normal things and we're trying to frame them in a way that reveals their beauty. I think that that's, I think that's really, that's what I try to do with photography. It's what I try to do with my preaching. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a similar thing back and forth. Right, 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 right. Um, I want to be sure we're, there's come a couple of our friends, Ville Marie Citron Olieri. Oh, Ville Marie! <laughs> former co-moderator, which by the way, I didn't mention, I think Van, uh, Landon was a former vice moderator with Cindy Bobach. Bill Marie and I started on Cody the same time. Oh man, that's amazing! Yeah, Bill Marie, what a what a gift! What a God's gift to the world, yes. right there. Charles Smith uh, is is uh, says he's wearing one, but he hasn't posted a picture yet. You know, Listen, so I was, Charlie and I were at a, at a funeral service the other day, and he did have a bow tie on, so I can vouch for that. Okay, all right. Well, well, that's good. To, good to hear. Um. um Oh, Rebecca is asking a good question. Question: She's saying all of this sort of for her goes to the the ordination vow that all you know um, 
ruling teaching elders and deacons take about the, the valve of, um, for imagination with energy, intelligence, imagination, love. And love. Um, but it's not necessary. There's not a class in seminary, right? Right. On imagination. That's not, not that that's the thing. Although, I mean, I remember taking a feminist interpretation of the Bible and doing, you know, crepas the entire time, but it's, that, that's something that's got to be nurtured. So I'm going to come back at you again, maybe a different way. Like, what is it that can nurture that right brain mm. imagination? Help us live into that vow. What would you encourage people who are, maybe they're just tired, you know? Oh, right, preach. That's, that's not a, uh, that is a true statement. Yeah, I, I often joke, I would love to file a, a disciplinary case with a PJC against a fellow, uh, against a fellow pastor who's not, uh, having enough imagination. I'd love to see how that went. Can you imagine the Woo! evidence we would need to present? Well, just file it on me and just for the fun of it. I mean, <laughs> we shouldn't do that. That's that's not. <laughs> Rod Lowry, that's my that's my you know, my general presbyter. I mean, he would not he would not be happy. <laughs> he would hate me. He would hate me. Yeah. <laughs> How do you nurture imagination? Uh, I mean, one, I, what I really think it is. In fact, we're we're we've been doing at, at Westminster for the last uh, for the last month. We've been doing a series on calling and discipleship, and moving into Lent, we're actually going to do a series on disciplines. And mm. and and I and one of the things that I'm going to tell folks when we start that series is disciplines are not these things that we should be afraid of. In fact, in the sermon that I'll, I'll, I just recorded just an hour and a half ago, I say preview. Discipline, <laughs> discipline is like a trellis in a garden. Um, mm. it, it helps us grow the way that we need to. Um, you know, imagination is a fruit. Um, I, I mean, I, will, you, will you serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? I think those are actually fruit of other things. It's like we've got the fruit of the Spirit. This is the, this is the fruit of our discipleship, I think, Okay. these things. I'm just I'm winging it here. Um, but I don't think you can get imagination unless you are disciplined in things. So, I mean, I want to see people, you know, if they're introverts like I am, one of those disciplines is making sure that you take time for yourself and care. You know, Jesus is always out off by himself praying. Mm -hmm. If you are an extrovert, making sure that you are around people. And that's why I know this year has been particularly hard for extroverts mm -hmm. because that aspect of their disciplined life has been taken away from them. I mean, are you reading, right? Are you listening to music? Are you, are you mm -hmm. taking in things that are inspiring? I mean, I don't want to be mean about this, but when I hear people say that they don't read fiction or they don't listen to audiobooks or that they don't, you know, watch fictional things on television, wow. I'm like, who are you? I don't even understand that. Right. And I'm trying to be generous about the fact that there are different brains. And so I don't want to impose my worldview on other people, but I mean, the number of, the number of particularly our colleagues who are just skilled at drawing back, like our friend Marcy Glass is skilled at this. She's right. such a good reader that yeah. her sermons are, are not, not peppered with quotations from these books, but she can reference narratives that she has read in a way that just blow me away it's just right. fantastic right so that, that to me is how you nurture that's how you nurture imagination is right. you, you take um take advantage of all the creativity that's already out there and, and it, it multiplies itself right i mean i've noticed i haven't done it yet but some of the art museums are doing these virtual tours if you can't yep. go to tours you know i think i have to think 
you know, some physical activity like biking where you're out into the natural world. I mean, Hey, um, but you're right. Reading, listening. I noticed too, your family has been, well, we can't sing. It's hard to sing together, but y'all have been singing together because y'all are in a bubble, right? I mean, that's yeah. a beautiful, I mean, hymns and other things. Yeah. Back in the early days of quarantine, I had, we had all of our kids in the house and our kids are good musicians, excellent musicians, particularly our older two. And we got to sing. We made, we made the Witsit family band. Were, <laughs> when we did, uh, when we did the uh, Good Friday worship service for the Kirk of Kansas City, where Chad Herring is pastor, yeah. uh, I was like, y'all, we need to go hard on this. And they did serious harmony, like, because nice. they made theory. Yeah. It's just, it's lovely. Like the Partridge family or something. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I had to throw in a little Gen X, you know, quote for, for our Gen Xers out there. <laughs> we were the monkeys. No. The monkeys. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, that's, I mean, it, it was a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to watch and it does nurture something deep in your spirit and your imagination. It's, tr it's true. Reading. I think, I think you're exactly right. And um, our, my pastor cohort, I know Marcy is, you know, a part of yours is having those friends who are doing creative things. It's, it's really helpful to kind of listen and learn from them and watch them. Um, we, you know, we're always circulating uh, Netflix, you know, uh, any kind of video, I shouldn't reference one, any kind of video platform or series that is, is helpful. Um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, content you know that's that's available but we gotta you know avail ourselves to it that's good good let's see um uh love the wonderful gift of online preaching for pastors that are larger congregations but how can we encourage pastors of smaller congregations in this new digital arena okay. it's something deborah rexrod from virginia is asking oh that's a good question um I used even so before pandemic in the before times, I would tell pastors of smaller congregations and smaller congregations themselves, like you have a superpower that larger congregations don't have. Um, and that is, you know, one another intimately. I mean, you just do. Right. And you are able to love one another and you are able to be a part of one another's lives in a way that, you know, congregations like the one that I serve, we, we work very diligently and very hard to make sure and maintain, and to build and maintain those connections. And I think that our folks do a good job, but there's just something about a smaller congregation by their very nature. They do this. I have seen dozens of pastors of smaller congregations in this, in this area of digital ministry. And a lot of times all it is, is just Facebook live. It's just Facebook. Right. Live. I mean, I can think of, I can think of two of my friends, uh, three of my friends back in Kansas city. One was, you know, our family's pastor, Nikki Cooley, uh, who's at first president Liberty right now. Um, a colleague of ours there, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Metter, uh, who's in Kansas city. And I'm particularly thinking of my friend, Scott Phillips, um, who is pastor of Northminster Presbyterian in Kansas city. The man is a goofball. <laughs> um, I went to college with him. He's a goofball, but he's also got a master's degree in English literature. And so he does prayer every day with the Psalms and he just talks about the Psalms, but that's not the impressive bit. The impressive bit is that he knows his folk so well and he's interacting with them so well and he's encouraging them to interact with one another. Again, it's the same ministry, just in a different format. Mm -hmm. So he just had to learn how to turn on a Facebook live stream. That's all he had to do. And then right. he was able to encourage his congregation to do the same thing just in this new, in this new space. So I would tell Deborah and other 
smaller membership congregations, just, just dip in. Give yourself a couple of weeks of pain of trying to figure out. Lee and I had it this morning. I had it on morning prayers. Lee trying to connect to this. We all have it. Yes. So just, just accept that connecting to these things is going to be a little awkward. Right. And then get talking. Get going. Can't believe the time's already gone. Oh, holy cow. <laughs> I know. Holy, don't go. Uh, so I want to give you a little blessing, and I, I want to use some of your words. You mentioned Elizabeth earlier. One of your first publications is this Prayer Sunday Social Awakening. Um, you have the closing prayer. I mean, this book has, uh, I give this one away too. It, you know, it has one of Letty Russell's last prayers, Katie Geneva Cannon. Wow. Um, Stephanie Paul Sale. It has Harriet Suddeth, you know, when she was very young. Um, Richard Rohr, Gary Dorian, Walter Brueggemann. I mean, it's a Miguel De La Torre, Gordon Cosby. Before, wow. Gordon Cosby. Wow. Unbelievable who's in here. These are the um, saints right here. Yeah, and, and Landon Whitsett in the closing hymn, and it's a song. Bill Marie already put it in the in the comments uh she knew where i was going it's called a pilgrim's hymn it's recorded on one of your albums and i fell in love with it at covenant community church when you're a, a an intern there and and leader for us and i want to say how grateful i am and i may not get through this because in your hymn you say was that you i met along the road was that you walking with me i was fine all on my own but you taught me things i never could have known was that you I met along that road? Was that you walking with me? Um, I will set my feet around that road and I will follow right along with you, Landon. You have been a gift to me and obviously to so, so many more in the ministry that you do and continue to do. And um, may God continue to bless you in that ministry. And may that road be smooth. May it be beautiful. May there be many who... Uh, that you don't you don't travel it alone, and may you meet some people you don't expect that will be gifts to you. Um, thank you for all that you do, and if you're willing, um, I'd like to invite folks. In two weeks, we're going to have um, our next show. I have to look at what my next. I'm trying to remember now. See, I got all caught up in that. Um, from from Princeton Seminary, we're going to be talking about some of the work they have done on their slave audit and a class around that as well. It's going to be really awesome, and I can't remember, can't believe I can't remember his name right now. But I would love for you to give us a charge uh, before we go. Um, and uh, uh, Heath Carter, so sorry, there it is. Um, we're calling. Um, we're going to be having that in on the seventeenth at one o'clock. So hope you one o'clock Eastern. Hope you'll join us uh, for that as well. Um, Landon, thanks again, and please send us if you would. I would. And tracking back to learning from our friends and walking with one another, I'll give you the the charge and benediction that uh, that I was given for five years every week by our friend Chad Herring. That is made its way into our soul so go out into the world in peace have courage hold fast to what is good return no one evil for evil strengthen the faint-hearted support the weak help the suffering honor all people love and serve the lord your god rejoicing in the power of the holy spirit go in peace peace friends thanks so much be Thank safe you. wear your mask